I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve NFL on Twitter. Give me a follow, and of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, of me old buddy, me old pa, Ryan J. Peacock. What's going on, buddy? Well, look, you, you come to me today. This for me, and I know we sort of touched on baseball the other week, and you said you weren't into it. But today is definitely a watching baseball type of day. So that's what I've been doing this afternoon. Uh, my Mets lost, but it's bigger than that. It's Jackie Robinson Day, which what? is why you always got to make sure you're watching baseball on Jackie Robinson Day. Don't know so, what I mean. Okay, so look, I'll tell you a quick story about baseball. Just to, just to bore the pants off you. But it's a cool story. So Jackie Robinson is uh, like the first um, black player to enter Major League Baseball, yeah? And okay. play in the big leagues, if you like. And, he, and he's largely credited with breaking the, the color barrier, if you like that existed back in those uneducated times, let's yeah. say. So he, he, like I say, he's the first big player. He goes up to, to play for the, for the Dodgers, who at the time were the um, Brooklyn Dodgers playing out of, out of New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, he, he, like I said, in the history, he's, he's credited with, with breaking the barriers. For, so for a lot of the players today that come from different minority backgrounds, um, different countries from all around the world that now now play the the great for me the great game of baseball. Largely, they credit credit this guy as being the guy that that made it possible. Um, and I'll just tell you a great story and why why Jackie Robinson Day is a thing. Everybody wears number forty two on Jackie Robinson Day. Every player in every team in the league. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And the reason for that is it is a great story. And I remember the story once because I watched a, a documentary on on Jackie Robinson. And I had to go back and I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the guy's name. But there was actually, I mean, Jackie Robinson faced, from the moment he got to the Dodgers, he faced racism from his own, some of his own teammates, from some of the, uh, the management of the ball club that actually brought him there to play baseball. Yeah. And certainly from the fans, they didn't want him either. And it didn't matter that he was this great player. They couldn't see past this one issue. Yeah. So right before this big game, obviously he starts playing in the league, starts doing pretty well. There's a big game coming up. And there's a lot of threats of, uh, of violence, and there's a, there's apparently a genuine, credible threat that there might be a sniper in the stands that is going to shoot Jackie Robinson dead on the field. What? Okay, and this is the story I love, and it sounds like a, a stupid thing to say, but wait for it. There's another guy on the team called Gene Hamansky. Now, Gene Hamansky's not bothered by colour, mm. not an issue for him. He's he's, he's you know uh, he died fairly recently, I think, and. He was one of the players that really welcomed Jackie Robinson to the team and tried to make him feel at home. Mm. And he suggested there was a very simple way of, of outsmarting the sniper. And he simply said that if we all wear Jackie Robinson's number, they won't know which one he is. Oh, for they won't be able to shoot sake. him. And there was this great, what I love about that is I can just imagine this innocence where somebody truly did not see one player as being white or black. Yeah. Or any other colour. He simply saw a baseball player that wore a number. And I think that's the beauty of that story. That just in that one moment, he thought the only thing they had to do to disguise Jackie Robinson, who was probably, if I remember back in those those Dodgers uniform, you know, pure, pure brilliant white with, with blue letters. Mm. Uh, there's one black player on that team. And it didn't didn't seem to, and, and, and beautifully so, it did not occur to Gene Hermansky that there was anything more that would give away who Jackie Robinson was than his 42. 
And that's why now to this day, every Jackie Robinson day, every player on the field of every team wears number 42. And I think it's one of the most brilliant stories in baseball yeah, well, that, and in sports that's generally. That's class. Uh, do you know what? Um, it's topical as well. And it just brings up so much stuff to say is that black players, black people in general, um, have faced an absolute uphill struggle in America. Um, and certainly black players in any of the sports felt that they had to climb this insurmountable uh, mountain just of racism and prejudice. But it's funny as well because well, it's not funny at all, but uh, it's funny the way Dave Chappelle, the black median, frames it. You know, he was sort of saying that, uh, you know, the state versus brown or whatever happened way back when, you know, decades and decades ago, but he still got called an N-word in traffic last Wednesday. So he's kind of like, you know, it takes time. It takes time for people to sort of accept other people um, and all that kind of stuff and sure look at the Packers have a very long history don't they of accepting black players because for work I had to do this course and we had to do a presentation at the end of it and we had to it's about it's a management course and we picked managing diversity and it made me have to look into you know well we could pick anything really but it made me look at diversity across a number of fields and how to manage that diversity and cheekily for my section I went and picked some part of it to be about Vince Lombardi and the stuff that you find out back then I mean even with black players back then so there was a you know some people just were prejudiced against black players outright some teams like the Chargers back then had a black quota so I think they had eight players on the team had to be black but no more than eight could be black and that if you were the ninth black player, even if you were a fantastic player, you just couldn't play. Whereas Vince Lombardi said, you only focused on a player. If you were a good player, well, then you were going to make it onto his team. And famously, Dave Robinson has that story that we've heard probably a lot. If you haven't heard it, it's a great one where he was like, you know, Vince was colorblind. He he never, you know, he treated us all the same. And then he stops and falls for a second. He goes, yeah, treats us like dogs. You know, and that's the thing is that he just barked out everybody. And it wasn't because of your color. And as well as that, Vince Lombardi, you know, with gay people, because I think there was, I can't remember who the player was, but there was a rumor that this player was gay. I don't know if it was in Green Bay. I think that might have been Washington. Was it his brother? His brother was gay as well, yeah. yeah and yeah. That, that's where apparently he got that sort of... Well, again, oh, okay. that, that's, Sorry, pro- yeah. that's probably doing a disservice to, to Vince is to say that, oh, because his brother was gay, he understood. No, he seemed to kind of get that cultural divide. But certainly they said that his brother was gay and uh, there was a player that was allegedly gay and people were talking about him and he, there was a quote like if you talk about his manhood or if anybody sort of you know makes any comments derogatory comments uh, you know they'll be out this door before their ass hits the ground so you know he's very progressive that way but Ryan that brings us on to a thing that you, you raised up just in pre-prod for this podcast and someone to mention it's not Packer related but it is NFL related and that person is Dan Rooney another person who's been absolutely instrumental in making sure yeah. that minorities in football you know, have a not a level playing field, but certainly trying to get more inclusion and diversity within the NFL. And they all refer to it as the Rooney Rule. So the Rooney Rule means that all teams have to interview uh, at least one minority candidate once they're interviewing for a head coaching job. And they say that he's, you know, the direct um, sort of impact of that rule was was Tony Dungy getting his job, who's now in the Hall of Fame. Um, and then, you know, Mike Tomlin for the Steelers, which was his own Steelers, you know, and he was really a progressive guy like that. And it's sad yeah. to see the passing of such a great man, isn't it? Yeah, sure. And Ron Riviera, who's the head coach, obviously, of the Panthers. Yeah, uh, he, he he actually credited Dan Rooney for, for being a, a large or, or playing a large role in him being appointed as a head coach. 
Um, yeah, and obviously as it was sad this week for someone like that to pass away, but it's somebody that had a huge influence on the game of football and that will always be remembered, mm. not just inside the Pittsburgh Steelers organisation, but um, right across the league. And I think and we'll stand the test of time. It'll be one of those names. Um, but the thing is, yeah, he, he helped bring this rule in. He's certainly one of the leaders for, for, for bringing it through. And um, it worked as well. I saw some numbers that said uh, basically the rule was brought in after the 2002 season. Yeah. When when I first heard about the Rooney rule and hadn't really looked into it, I presumed it had been something that was there for some years. Mm. You know, not not 2002. I mean, that that's not that long ago. So the rule was implemented 2003 season. And at that, at that point, just 6% of head coaches and GMs in the league were from uh, minority backgrounds. Yeah. By the end of 2006 season, it was 22%. That's madness. Now, I couldn't find any numbers that told me what it was today, um, which was disappointing. You know, maybe I could have manually gone through all the teams and, and you know, got my calculator out and phoned a friend and all the rest of it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, straight away there, in just a few years, mm. so three years of that rule being in place, it went from 6 to 22%. It had a very positive effect. And as you said as well, Tony Dungy, Mike Tomlin, probably could both be Hall of Fame um, Head coaches, you know, Ron Riviera uh, got to a Super Bowl, obviously, with the Panthers. Yeah. You know, that it's really not only just sort of gave them the opportunity to get on the big stage, but actually they've, they've gone out there and proved that they're, you know, that they're, there's going to be some of the top names in the business. And it's, it's hard to think that there might have been a time where a coach may not have even got a sniff of an interview or, mm. or a GM might not have even got a sniff of, uh, an interview but just just because of something like that you know it's but Dan Rooney did a hell of a lot to bring that on and do you know what you you may have known this being a being the proud Irishman that you are I did not realize I knew he lived somewhere around the Dublin area and he had a nice house out there <laughs> um, and I and I say that because I think it's actually people go past it on a tour when they're doing tours and they're yeah. actually it's actually pointed out yeah um, but I didn't realize he was actually the US ambassador yep the Go first, the so first ambassador cool. by Barack Obama. But you know what makes that weirder, Ryan, is the fact that Barack Obama's a Democrat, and Rooney was a lifelong Republican. Sure, but he still supported Barack Obama, and he was the reason why you know Barack Obama won over some of the blue collar uh, areas like you know Pennsylvania, Ohio, sure, West Virginia into in the two thousand and eight presidential election. So it's so weird that this guy, Republican all his life, ends up helping Obama and then gets sort of paid back by becoming the ambassador. But as, as you say, I mean, as a proud Irishman, the guy, I'm just going to claim him, he was Irish, but he was so instrumental in helping everybody over here in Ireland in 1976. Uh, along with there's an Irish businessman he's super rich Anthony O'Reilly he's now Sir Anthony O'Reilly um, who was the senior executive at Heinz Food Group they set up this thing called Irish Funds and they've raised yeah. just the f- absolute stonking amount of money for Irish charities so it was the 40 an- an- the 40th anniversary excuse me of Ireland Funds or the Ireland firm Funds last year and they've raised more than 550 million dollars which is about 500 million unbelievable isn't it when oh, when yeah. I read those numbers, I was just like, you know, this is this is unbelievable. Yeah, it's a guy as well. Let's face it: if we hadn't heard of the, if the Rooney Rule wasn't in effect, mm. and if you're not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, there's probably not many people around the league that would have heard of him because he's not, you know, he's not. Uh, who's the guy at the Colts? Jim Isray. That you know, he loves being in the spotlight. Um, Jim Irsay, yeah. You know, oh, Irsay. Sorry, mm. yeah. 
Um, Dan Rooney's like the the other end of the spectrum completely, isn't he? He's he's Mr. Quiet off the radar in the background. He's doing all this good stuff, working for the the then president, all the rest of it. You know, he's what the more the more and more I read about uh, Dan Rooney, um, the more and more I wanted to to read, the more I wanted to find out. And I, I would say to people. Obviously, we're not going to talk for hours and hours about Dan Rooney on, on a Packers podcast, but certainly a big mention for someone so influential in football, and, and it seems as well so influential in in Ireland. Um, nice that these guys, I mean, they really have remembered their roots there, haven't they? Yeah, you know? he has. And, and do you know what, Ryan? He's, he's instrumental in bringing college football to Crow Park. So when he was here... I think it was nearly every year that he was here. He had, uh, you know, the Navy game and all the rest of that over here. It really put American football in the minds of people. And that's exactly why um, when I go on to represent the UK Packers on Irish radio every Saturday, that, you know, you can kind of credit stuff like that to him. The fact that UK Packers are on Irish radio every Saturday with Ken Doherty and Reggie Cargan throughout the regular season yep. is because there's an appetite now in Ireland for American mm-hmm. football that kind of comes through that college stage. And as well as yep. that, there was rumours as well he was going to try actually bring one of the international series NFL games to Crow Park instead of London. Do you know what? I absolutely don't get it. And I, I know why they're putting so many in London. Um, mm. I've never been to one. I know everybody always goes to me, what, really? But yeah. I've never been to one. If the Packers aren't playing there, why would I go? That's that's my attitude. Um, but, and I know why they're doing it, because they want to kind of test out this stupid idea of having a franchise here, mm. okay? If, if you haven't picked up on this, I, I don't like the idea of it. But <laughs> what I don't get is, why can't London have one game? Why can't Edinburgh or Glasgow have a game? Dublin, Cardiff, you know, whatever. Even Paris, Munich, you know? Why not spread it around? It doesn't all need to be in London, um, you know. And and I don't know. I've, why not have a game over in Ireland? They absolutely deserve one, and they've got Croke Park's a fantastic stadium. Yeah. Um, I haven't had the pleasure of seeing any sports there. One day I do want to go and see some uh, some of your crazy uh, hit a ball with a strange bat stick type thing at each other and rugby tackle each other at the same time game, whatever you call it. Yeah, it's a pretty um, long name. That was the old name, Ryan. They've changed that yeah. now to hurling. Oh, uh, yeah, they've modernized it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easier for the website. Yeah, yeah, the Earl yeah, that they had was The just... Earl used to be quite long, yeah. And, and you, that, you... that's how they got the name. They're like, the Earl's too long. They're like, why don't we call it Hurling then? And they're like, yeah, I like it. Love that. I like it. Love that. that See the awesome. segue? That's off the head. It's like we write this. It's all I'm writing <laughs> is in the yeah. background. Working, so hard. <laughs> Working feverishly. Those child like, labor. Yeah. All I'd say this to anybody is uh, go, go and take a bit of time to, to read. Uh, you know, when when you're bored there on the sofa, stop watching X Factor and all the other crap that's probably on the telly. Yeah. Go and read about the likes of uh, Jackie Robinson and Dan Rooney and, and these types of people that have been really influential characters throughout history of sports. And if I can jump in with my first shut your tits moment of the podcast, to any of the Irish listeners who are kind of like, um, not you, not you while you're drinking your beer, and you spat your beer all over the place there. I'm telling out me to shut my tits. Right. The first shut your tits moment is any Irish listener who's going, oh yeah, we're not going to have those American sports in Crow Park. Fun fact for you, right? The first time that American football was played in an official game outside of America was actually in Crow Park. It was um, in Ulster. Actually, it was Crow. There was one in Crow Park, and there was another one. Actually, I think even before that in in Ulster, right? So when the servicemen from World War Two were coming home to America, they had to make a pit stop in Ireland, so they staged an exhibition game in Ulster, and that was the first time allegedly that American football had been played outside the states. That's another awesome story. See, oh, yeah. this is why you just got to keep reading because you find out more and more yeah. cool stuff. It's, it's amazing. Um, 
That is awesome. That's a great story. I do also remember, um, was it the Gaelic sporting body over there that said there would never be any sports inside Croke Park but Gaelic sports? And now, of course, you play Irish rugby there. The football team play there. And, and so kind of, yeah, don't worry about it. It just looks like you can play anything there now. Last on. But do you know what the, the biggest one, and we, we will get on, because we kind of touched on Packers. Look, we're talking about Lombardi, so we can buy ourselves an extra minute. Um, I remember I was at that game, right, because Bloody Sunday, if anyone watches the... Because that, here's another... Right, okay, right, I've opened the can of worms here, but let me crack on. I know you're grabbing your head going, dear Jesus, we're going to be here for another five minutes. Let me just mention this. We do get the odd time, especially with our new t-shirts coming out, which we'll have an announcement a little bit later. Guys always say, uh, UK, lads, where's the Irish in that? And, you know, and they get kind of pissed off. Listen, I have Michael Collins in a frame, uh, blown up as the biggest picture in my house, hanging above my mantelpiece, right? So if you want to talk about sort of, you know, proud of being Irish, uh, my family's super proud of being Irish. My grandfather was in the army. He had a send-off where he, when he died. He had the Irish flag draped over his coffin. He had the four-gun salute, all that sort of works. His dad, so my great-grandfather, got a medal of bravery from Michael Collins himself for siding with him in the Civil War. So no one tell me that, you know, I, I'm sort of making it super English and I don't realise that Ireland's not in the UK. I get it, right? But it just, as you said, like with hurling ball, stick ball, with going through the yada yada yada, the names can sometimes be too long. But anyway... Where was I going with that? Uh, Crow Park. I, yeah, right. So I was at that game. Uh, so Bloody Sunday, the this, which to some modern millennials now is just a scene out of a movie. But the English came in and they shot a bunch of spectators in Crow Park on Bloody Sunday. And that's where that came from. And the, you know, the, the Brits had never been inside a Crow Park before that. In fact, if you were playing GAA, you were not allowed to play foreign sports. If you were found playing football or rugby, you were banned from playing hurling or Gaelic. So I was at the first game where England came into Crow Park to play rugby there. And the English national anthem had to be played in the same ground where the English tanks came in and shot a bunch of Irish spectators. And just you could hear a pin drop. It was just so quiet and unbelievable. What an atmosphere. But I'm glad we've gone past that kind of action. But Rhino... um let's talk Packers we had a funny time uh, what was it earlier on today when we were doing a bit of pre-production when I was sort of we were bantering around notes I put down some of my notes you put down some of your notes and I just wrote down Marty B caused a bit of confusion right yeah I had no idea who Marty B was and so in (laughs) pre-planned notes I'm suddenly looking through and Steve's already messaged me to say you know I'm off out farming today or something digging up (laughs) potatoes and so I'll be missing for a few hours but you know this is what we're going to be talking about so I start going through the notes so I get down it you know the first few things we're going to talk about Dan Rooney blah 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 get down the list and see Marty B and I'm thinking who the hell is Marty B (laughs) so I do all of my notes and I've just got a circle around Marty B and I'm like I'm going to have to come back to this Steve obviously gets his sack of potatoes, comes home, <laughs> sees the message, and he's like, Martellus Bennett. Well, sorry, guys. Obviously not straight enough because I did not pick up on Marty B and Martellus Bennett. Do you know what? When so, you said that to me, Ryan, you almost made clown of the week. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be an honour. It'd be an honour. <laughs> there's some great guys on this. Me and Skip, you know, go way yeah. back. Wu Chang. Wu Chang was on there. Um, yeah. Wu Chang went from clown to fan of the week, though, so he's off. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good times. But yeah, he made his way into the news again. Then he's such an outspoken dude. I had to watch his E60 again today um, in the background while I was, you know, cleaning up, you know, baby shite and feeding babies and, and playing. Uh, his E60, he's just such a strange dude. But a story came out this week where... Now, again, this is weird because if you watch Martellus Bennett's E60 with his bro... um it goes into how he just hated the Bears and, you know, he was kicking up stink and got suspended and was calling them all names. 
But a Chicago high school basketball state championship team, when they won the state championship, couldn't actually afford to buy the rings for it. So he said his wife sent him on this story and he went out and designed and bought the rings for them. But Ryan, they're super impressive, aren't they? I mean, they, they look like actual Super Bowl winner rings. They're yeah, really- absolutely. I've got the picture here in front of me. Obviously, it's basketball state champs ring. I mean, there's hmm. what looked to me anyway, like diamonds in it. There's everything yeah. in it. And he's uh, he sorted the whole thing out. There were other celebrities that also put some money in it, should be said as well. But basically, I think he went, what what do you still need? Yeah. And he, uh, and he put the lot in. Uh, and I said, yeah, for him to then go and take the time to go out there and actually design it. And it's a it's a really cool looking ring. Mm. He's, do you know what? He's a creative dude, isn't he? Because if you watch his story, if people don't know about him. Honestly, uh, he just says the most ridiculous stuff. Um, but he has this animation studio that he has, and the the artwork Ryan is is super cool. And I mean, the chap is super talented when it comes to creative stuff, and he thinks outside the box. But another really interesting part of this guy's story was is him and his brother. There's only sixteen months apart, so. They'll be 15 months apart between my son and our next one. We don't know the sex of the baby yet. So it was nice to see them sort of play off each other and see how close that they were. Um, Because I'm sort of imagining that's how my kids are going to grow up and that was deadly. But their mother and father, they broke up when they were only younger. And the mother went back home and left the two kids with the dad. That That's a strange, strange upbringing. And that, imagine like two big burly lads... Well, they were small at that stage. Just having this stay-at-home dad and what a what a brave dude he was. The same as kind of all the single mothers out there who have to, you know, put up with being left with the kids by these, you know, dickhead fellas that, you know, run off. And you hear all these sort of really tough stories in the ghetto of, the, you know, the dad sort of leave them in really poor situations where, you know, I can't remember some... I don't know if we've had some players in the podcast where... You know, they they sort of grew up in, you know, poor areas on top of that. Their mother's working like 17 jobs and, you know, the mother's never around and they're raised by their grandparents and really tough stories. And he had kind of the flip side of that. And he's got a really weird way of looking at life, doesn't he, with, you know, his animation studio and even some of the stuff that you see on those E60 programs, some of the stuff he comes out with just takes you back. Now, me and you would be fairly eccentric, you know, but he comes out with some stuff here and thinking, Jesus Christ, you know, such a weird upbringing for him. And uh, he's going to be interesting, I think, in Green Bay because... I feel a bit of a shift to you away from... We always had this quintessential Packer player like Sam Barrington, sort of, who we had on the podcast. He was one of those guys, wasn't he, where he was into his charity work and all that. And Martellus Bennett is, but he'd almost say the type of stuff you expected him to say in an interview. Martellus Bennett's not like that, you know? Sure, and I think, yeah, exactly what you mean. It is almost like we've always had the players that have been well-trained in their media relations stuff, which is now something they really do focus on right from when they come into the league as a rookie. They have the Mm. rookie workshops and all that. And they're very much told how to handle stuff. Um, and then that continues right throughout their career where people are sort of educated on how to do it and how not to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've always had players in the past where you ask them a question, they give you the the textbook answer as we I think we've referred to it in the past. Martellus Bennett is so far away from the textbook. Yeah. It's beautiful and yeah. it's refreshing because it gives us things like this to go and talk about. And it at times, yeah, it'd be controversial. And at times it might upset somebody, but this is not a guy. Don't don't confuse this at all with the likes of the, I don't know, the Johnny Manzels, uh, the the likes of the Odell Beckhams and people that are just uh, you know really aren't too smart. This this guy is very very clever and he's very switched on. He knows exactly what he says is going to get which reaction. He's a passionate guy. But he's quite clearly, and I think what this story proves is he's a really good guy as well. Yeah. Um, and he's somebody that I'm really excited to have on the team for 
for obviously for his on the field stuff, but actually the more you read into him and some of the things he's involved in, some of the stuff he does off the field, actually, do you know what? He is a Packers person. Um, he very much fits that mould. He's just going to do it in Martellus Bennett's own style. <laughs> but Ryan, as simple as that. let me ask you this then and what you think of it. Do you think he's a potential risk to the locker room? You know, because we've seen the Packers, for instance, what they said about Sitton was is that he could have been potentially toxic because we're going to offer contracts to younger players and that they thought that he might be creeping around and that he was a bit of a strong influence. Is there a danger that... Because personally, I think that the locker room's shifting a bit, that they're going for more edgier players to try get that kind of edge. Do you think Martellus yeah. Bennett, if he doesn't get a lot... Because let's face it, right? Every Since we've been covering the Packers and since we've been Packers fans, a Barney always kicks off. Mason Crosby even said it when he was on the podcast, you know, like t- tensions get a bit high. If tensions get a bit high with Martellus Bennett at Packers practice, do you think he could start making some enemies or do you think that's the type of grit that we need? Right, right. The, the the thing is, you got two two things here. Okay, so practice. Guess what? Every every single preseason in every single camp, there's at least a scuffle and a fight, or somebody pushes somebody, and there's there's ambags, right? Mm. That's fair to say. Isn't it. There's always a bit of ambags in there. Why? Because it's a physical sport. Definitely, as well in the preseason and through camp and stuff, people are competing directly against the man in front of them for that one job. Yeah. So they, they they get up, you know, and they get to a level where, and, and sometimes it boils over and that happens. And do you know what? The first time that happens and Martellus Bennett's involved, or Marty B as you want to call him, <laughs> um, the first time he's involved, the media are going to jump all over it because it's happened before, right? And it won't matter what the story is, but they, that happens all the time. So I'm going to ignore that. It doesn't even bother me. Yeah. In terms of the locker room, is he going to be a positive or a negative? He'll be a positive because he strikes me as a leader. Sometimes the leader is not the guy that sits there quietly and watches by or says the right things. He's he's not even, you know, we we saw the speeches of the Charles Woodsons, for example, a guy that always said that generally he wasn't a talker, but then you see him in them 2010 documentaries when we win the win the Super Bowl and he, he's giving speeches, mm. right? And he's not doing anything controversial. He's just giving the speeches and guys are listening because they've got respect for him and what he's about and where, you know, where he's come from, what he's done in the game. Yeah. Martellus Bennett's going to be a guy that's going to be vocal and he's going to represent the players, in my opinion. Okay? I feel like it's a player that you could really get behind and really sort of band together with. I also feel it's a player that if he sees somebody not pulling their weight, he sees somebody not giving their all, he's going to pull them up before the coaches do. I feel like our locker room at times has lacked leadership. So Mike Daniels is in there. I imagine Mike Daniels all over people all the time. Julius Peppers, don't really strike me as the guy. Probably should have been. Clay Matthews, I'm not sure that he's going to be a guy in the locker room getting anyone else going. And then I'm starting to look around the team and going, where else is it coming from? You know, on offense, you would have hoped that TJ Lang maybe, um, but he's gone. You would have definitely would have thought in the past maybe a John Coon would have been a leader, but he's gone. You know, now you've got Martellus Bennett. And I think you've got now on the offense the same sort of style and character that Mike Daniels gives you in terms of leadership and aggression, accountability, all those sort of great words that you have on the defense. I think Martellus gives you that on the offense. Now, it's in a style that's going to maybe ruffle some feathers. Mm. It's in a style that's going to be different. It's in a style that's going to be easily susceptible for the media to jump on if it goes a bit wrong. But I think what you have there is a player that wants to win on a team that wants to win 
So everything will be done for the right reasons. It's going to be a guy that said, I don't see he's going to give us a problem. What we've got to do is make sure that we don't believe the media bullshit when it happens. Yeah. Because something will happen. There'll be something. Just don't believe the media bullshit if it all if it all flares up. Yeah. And another interesting thing that he said, uh, this is according to the Houston Chronicle. They asked him, you know, what's it like to go from Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers? And he said, quote unquote, that's like leaving J-Lo and going to Halle Berry. So uh, Aaron Rodgers is the Halle Berry of the NFL, apparently. But you know what? More interesting than that, right? And this kind of struck me. They, they must have asked him, like, you know, has he been chanting Aaron Rodgers and all that kind of gear? He said, we talk often. I'm excited about playing with him. We've known each other for a while. I'm excited about working with him and learning his quarterback language and showing him what type of player I am. But this is, what's, it, 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 this is interesting to me. I think I'm a lot better player than they think I am. That's weird, yeah. isn't it? The fact that he says, I think I'm a better player. I, as You know, because obviously they think he's a good player if they're going to bring him back instead of Cook. But he says that he thinks he's a better player than they even think he is. What does that mean? Maybe if, maybe he feels like he's never really been able to show. I mean, let's face it. When he's been at some of the teams he's been at, he's not had great quarterbacks. When he was in New England, he was playing, for most for the most part, he was playing second fiddle to Gronkowski. Mm. So maybe what he's trying to say is people think he's good, but watch how good he is if he's the number one guy playing behind a, you know, perennial powerhouse quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. You know, maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe saying actually, do you know what you think I'm good, but I'm I'm better than that. I'm more than that. Yeah, and and I absolutely understand that. As I understand that attitude, as you know, and I mean, you play sports. So I think any anybody that goes out there and plays any sport, whatever it is. Hmm. Um, you probably have have to have a self confidence about you to be able to carry yourself in the right way. So that all that is is self confidence, mm. and you'd have to agree with what he said. Yeah, yeah. No, I do agree. He made a superstar out of Cook, and Cook's agent allegedly blew it when it came to getting a deal. Um, but anyway, I tell you what, let's let's keep it rolling. Let's move on to clown of the week. Radio, uh, Ryan, this is an interesting one because uh, I delib- we sort of set it up this way, right? We couldn't find... It was a quite, a, quite a week. Not a whole lot of people got arrested. Um, Geronimo Allison didn't make Clown of the Week uh, because he got re-signed. We'll talk about that after Clown of the Week. Um, you know, after his whole arrest, which is pending. So what I'm going to do is, and I want to get your live reaction and a, a short commentary on each of these. If you want to go to Clown Mecca, Clown Mecca is definitely in the comments section of the Journal Sentinel the Milwaukee Journal Center, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call out some tweets here. Um, well, they're comments from JS Commons, at JS Commons. And I want you to let me know what you think of these bad boys, all right? Live okay, reaction. sounds interesting. So we could have multiple clowns. Oh, we've, we've super, we've like, this is, we've hit the super clown mecca here. Some of them I won't even call out because they're so offensive. Here's the <laughs> first one. So we all know this Tidletown district's getting put up in Green Bay. So this is what this person thinks is actually happening behind the holidays. Here it is. Tidletown district is, he goes, innovatonine. I think he means innovative, but he can't spell. Comma, complex. And obviously, more important than fielding a championship caliber defense. So he's saying that we're spending money on the Tidletown district instead of actually buying uh, defensive players. He thinks right, that so- the Tidletown <laughs> district, Ryan, hits against their cap. <laughs> Yeah, so he's saying there's only one pot of money and yeah. you're buying buildings and not players. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, what, okay. what do you think? Super clown? 
Uh, if we're, what are we going to do on a rating of zero to complete clown? <laughs> from zero What's to that, skip. Like a zero to ten. <laughs> yeah. So from zero to skip and skip being ten, uh, I'm going to give that a six. I I go for a skip. I think he's skipping all the way to the skippity skip there because I, that's I think, ridiculous. Yeah. The only reason I go six is I just get a feeling you wouldn't have start with with the worst one, and I get the feeling there's definitely a skip coming up. Oh, there's a few skips. I'm going to start with a six. But yeah, that's mental. Yeah, the next one is uh, fact is the only position TT has shown any talent in drafting is wide receiver. That's it. <laughs> right. Okay. Interesting. Do you, do you That's agree? the only only position. Only one. Okay, so we've got a very good we've got a very good bunch of players on the offensive line over the years. Yep. Um, I think it's done pretty well there. Yep. Uh, Clay Matthews for one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, there's loads. I mean, there's, back. No, there's no yeah. point in me even going through it. And yeah. actually, I'm pretty sure he may have drafted a certain number 12, just saying. And he's definitely not a WR. Yeah. So um, that one, I'm going full skip. Full, sk- <laughs> full skip on that one. Right, I'll read out a few more. I think that's going to be my new catchphrase now, actually. Yeah. Anytime I hear <laughs> it, you can say, shut your tits. I'm going to go full skip. <laughs> full it. skip. Right, this one. This after the breakup with a uh, with Olivia, who actually uh, I got. Do you know what? I got a lot of heat over that. I got a lot of heat over quoting heat. People are like, "Oh yeah, Stephen the Showbiz column." I didn't know he read through the glossies. The research knows no bounds for this podcast. So you, know what, you know what? He's, Steve's always telling me right that he's you know I got home from work so late, and then you find out the reason being is because he spends so much time in the coffee room reading the heat. <laughs> You know, like if he just off. actually did some work at work, he might yeah. go home on time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I wish that was true. I wish it was true. <laughs> so Aaron broke breaks up with Olivia. At me right now. Really? Glaring at me. Well, he sips his beer with victory. It's a victory sip. So Aaron, uh, apparently Aaron broke up with Olivia. Right? So I know I said in the last one, the rumors are come out to Olivia broke up. But it wasn't Aaron broke up with Olivia. But anyway, after they broke up, here's the comment. Maybe Rogers will start playing football now. Yeah, <laughs> this, maybe now. This, uh, I think we even touched on this one last week. There's been so many, so many comments like that that apparently all our problems at the Packers are, are essentially down to Olivia Munn. Yeah, uh, bullshit. Um, I'll give you that one a nine. A nine. Yeah, just in case. Just in case. Right. How about this? He does now start coming out and playing football, whatever that means. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, he just said, I'm telling you, he's going to send into heaven. So he's got to go from essentially the only way that guy can be proved right is that Aaron Rodgers has to go from the championship game where he was in the running for the MVP to being the MVP and winning the Super Bowl. It's the only way that guy's right, Mm. I guess. Yeah. And even then, it's probably not right. But I'll give it a nine just on the fact that, yes, okay, if this season he gets MVP and goes to wins the Super Bowl, then I'll let you off just because we'll have won the Super Bowl, so it'll be fine. Right. Right. Get you. Second last one. Go on him. Rogers should hold a press conference in front of his home and say, this home is up for sale and so am I. I'm out of here. What? That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> So is is Aaron Rodgers this one I'm confused have I missed it is Aaron Rodgers selling his house uh, yeah he sold oh, yeah, his he original house yeah, yeah that's yeah. right so what this guy's saying is and this guy's a Packers fan yeah definitely not like got a Bears logo on his on his profile pic or anything no he's a he's a diehard Packers fan allegedly a diehard Packers fan and he thinks our best option at this point would be to ship him out of town mm. yeah somewhere else ridiculous 
I'd love to meet that guy and punch him in the head. <laughs> it's as simple not. as that. We're Anybody not. that says to trade away Rogers, cut Rogers, Rogers is gone, he's over the hill, past his best, needs a punch in the head. Mm. And that's the only way. It's the only justice you can deal out to fools, Yeah. unfortunately. The bailiff. The bailiff is out yeah. again. That's, right. that's the stuff. Let me introduce, hit you with... introduce him to the Louisville slugger. Yeah. And I'll um, knuckle Samba. <laughs> right, last one. Start boycotting games. Quit buying Packer apparel. And don't spend any money on their money-grabbing ventures. That'll, that'll wake them up. <laughs> what are we talking about? Is that, what's that in reply to? Again, the the new place being built? Yeah. Or what? Yeah. yeah. Right. So what they're trying to do is provide you with a better game day experience to bring it in line with some of the other bigger market teams in the league. And we think that's a negative. Or yeah. that guy thinks it's a negative. Start boycotting games, quit buying Packer apparel, and don't spend any money in their money-grabbing ventures. You know that'll wake do, them up. Do you know what? <laughs> Do, do, I tell you what, do do everybody a favour, that guy. Stop going to the games. Stop yeah. going to the games because you're an absolute moron. You'd be best sat in the Bears stadium at Soldier Field. Um, but also, there's a hell of a lot of people on a waiting list that'd be really, really happy for you to give up your ticket. So just do it. Make everyone happy. And if the Packers want to increase the game day experience even more, they'll stop that guy from going. Hopefully they will, yeah. Absolute <laughs> moron. He is full skip. <laughs> Two full skips? Two oh! full skips. <laughs> Sweet. We need we need we need a full skip uh, counter. So every time there's a full skip, you just sort of hear uh, hear a. <laughs> that was yeah. rubbish. I thought it was going to make a bell noise. It didn't make a bell noise. No, you've drank too much out of it. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, I like that. So we had uh, if it's two full skips, and I've guess we got two clans of the week. Yeah, and I but I have to say my skippity skip has to be the dude who thinks that the title down district money it actually hits against the salary that cap. So a lot of a lot of money. <laughs> I do actually now need to upgrade that to uh, to an eight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. But it's, here... it's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, there's just just they just a complete lack of understanding, and then I'll just type something on the intranet. Yeah, I'm so glad that it's sort of enshrined in this. Uh, you know, JS. Just, so go to at JS comments. It's fantastic. It's good reading. That could be my new like nighttime reading, just yeah. just to make myself laugh myself to death. <laughs> a bit of comedy action. But come yeah. here, uh, Rhino, the last bit of Packers news, then we'll get on to some announcements and then we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, Packers have re-signed Geronimo Allison. Uh, to, it's, it's in, he's an exclusive rights free agent. Uh, started on, he was an undrafted uh, dude, made his way onto the practice squad, made his way onto the full team, went up the depth chart, ended with uh, eight receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown in week 16. Um, so yeah, you know what he did? Uh, he did pretty well for himself. Toddy's career yeah. was over. Yeah, no, he's um, he looked a nice player when he played actually, yeah. and uh, I think did you just say there he averaged sixteen point eight yards in the regular season uh, per reception, which is pretty good going. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. But I, do you know what? I saw this. Uh, obviously, like you said, he was undrafted out of Illinois. Mm. They've got a really dumb football name, haven't they? The Illinois Fighting Illinois. Jesus. Like, I, I don't know. It's dumb. I mean, I thought the T, I thought the TCU Horned Frogs was pretty, pretty crazy. But actually, Horned Frogs. The more, the more I hear that, the more I like it. Okay, but the Illinois fight in Illinois—that's just a massive lack of any creativity, surely. That sounds like an Irish trad song. The Illinois fight in Illinois. <laughs> I mean, you'd expect like the fiddles <laughs> to be going off. Illinois and the Illinois, Illinois and the Illinois. Uh, Brilliant, yeah, yeah. 
Love it. Yeah, we'll get some we'll get some strings in there or something. There's always strings in an Irish tune, isn't there? Oh yeah. Bit of Michael Flatley come in, throw the arms out. So Yeah. So Geronimo Ger- oh, brilliant. I've only had two beers. Geronimo <laughs> yeah. Allison uh came back this week. Also Christian Ringo. Uh pretty much went under the radar. He also re signed a tender offer this week. Um six round pick in twenty fifteen. Uh probably on the back of uh, the old Bears guy, old Ego Ferguson. Yeah. Sort of coming, coming, being signed, and then obviously failing his medical. Um, so it's probably on the back of that uh, that Christian Ringo's come back in. What I love about both of these things is, I mean, they're decent players. They've been on the squad. They've been about the team. The team know them. They know the team. Yeah. Um, their tenders, I think, their base value of their tenders are six hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. So it's it's pretty pretty minimal money as well. So it's 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 pretty cool. But yeah. But um, it's a bit of a cloud because the reason. The reason we thought though Geronimo Allison has gone right is because um, going back in January it was revealed that he'd been arrested, charged, misdemeanor possession right. of of ganja, of marijuana, and we don't know what the actual thing is. It's still pending, so I wonder what's going to happen with that. But it's bad when you type in a person's name to do a little bit of research and you find uh, him featuring on TMZ. Okay. Yeah, you never want to see a player on TMZ, do you? No. That's, uh, it's not the greatest place to be um, but yeah just remember kids drugs are bad and good right. but uh, I've had a tough week holy Jesus uh, these LT shirts right now there's a lot of them yeah I have to say guys out there I am absolutely in debt to this man because we unfortunately have not been nobody's put us in a premises yet have they and given us a warehouse no so unfortunately we haven't been able to. I haven't been able to help Steve out with the t-shirts. Now mm. our t-shirts went crazy, did they not? Oh, not too. We sold a stupid amount of shirts, and mm. massive thank you to all of you for that. Because as we've said before, the reason we do it is not only to make you guys look goddamn great, mm. but it's uh, obviously the the bits of that we do take out of that. The sort of the the, the pound. I think it's a pound something a shirt. It's not a great deal. Um, but what it does do is when, especially when you guys buy them in numbers like that, that's just paid for our domain for the next couple of years. That pays for all our web hosting. It pays for the equipment that we use to do the podcasts. Steve, um, when he, when he does the, the fantastic interviews with the players stateside, that all has to be paid for those calls. So that essentially now you guys have basically guaranteed that, that, that we can continue to do that. Um, and essentially, Thank you very much because me and Steve don't have to pay for it out of our pockets as we've yeah. done for probably the first three or four years of this. So that's what it's about. And and we we do these things and we put it out there. And, you know, the, the items look great. The designs are getting better and better. The quality of this shirt, um, I'm sure Steve will tell you about in a minute, is, is apparently better than anything we've done before. Um, but, yeah, what you're doing is you're absolutely securing the future of this group so we can carry on doing what we do. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all joking aside. We really are indebted to the people that support us. And you know what? It, it, something that really struck me when we released a membership number initiative was the amount of people on Twitter who are putting the hashtag with the number after their name. Yeah, I love that. It, love it's that. it's amazing. Like, And it just goes to show people are proud of the group. They're proud to be a UK Packer, an Irish Packer, a UK and Irish Packer. And yeah, we, I've just, we've been floored by it. But these T-shirts, 
let me tell you is we received them uh, from the <laughs> manufacturer right and there's a lot um, but leaving all that sort of stuff aside because uh, we you know we've put in an awful lot of work to get these t-shirts out is we had to make sure that everyone ordered the right number one guy didn't and we had to change his order so I think he'll be happy about that um, and then when the t-shirts came in we needed to check that they were the right sizes with the right number but let me tell you the quality of these t-shirts is absolutely out of this world. I've already been living in mine uh, since it came through the post and I'm really looking forward to you guys being able to live in yours. I've never felt a t-shirt. Now, myself and Ryan did a lot of, you know, pre-work with these tees, looking at fabrics, looking at pantones, looking at different types of prints, different types of cuts, different styles, different color tees themselves different color you know print to come on the tee just the amount of work that went into it was shocking to be honest and the final product is worth it ryan will tell you once you look at this t-shirt first off you know the writing on the front is just is really really light uh, it's not going to strip off in the wash the logo then was individually dropped on after because it had to be a slightly different style of print with the amount of colors and detail and shading in the actual uh, uh, uk packers logo that we used for this t-shirt and then the number on the sleeve was a completely separate type as well so it's digital print on the sleeve we have um, print screening on the front which means that it's super durable and then a Versacam logo print then that's been dropped on so there's a three element print to this and to get you know a, manu- a clothing manufacturer to do these for us especially in these numbers um, was pretty difficult to come by but we found this group and we worked with them and it was a process over a number of weeks sort of getting into the months and I tried on my t-shirt and I can honestly say it is a Hollister it is an American apparel style soft weave and I don't mean to sound all sort of too artistic about it, but just the way it sits is fantastic. The size of the logo on the chest, you know, fits excellently with, we've had lazy ladies extra small, which is a uh, Europe, UK or European ladies size eight, all the way up to a four XL men's. And the logo still looks fantastic, still fits on the chest excellently. And honest to God, it's just the softest, lightest tee. And coming into the summer, it's amazing. Now, I love a heavy tee. I love sort of it's stiff around the neck. But this one is a light one. And I just can't get over the quality of it. And even the collar of it, the the elastic on the collar is going to keep that nice and tight. The one caveat that you have with this t-shirt is, and this is what we wanted to make sure when we spoke to the guy who manufactured the t-shirt. And I'll stop talking in two seconds. If you've bought a t-shirt, please, please, please follow the instructions that are on the wash label, on it, the care label. If you go and try, if you have a missus out there or if you yourself uh, are, are doing your wash, bringing it down to do your gym tan laundry, GTL, make sure you don't boil the t-shirt, right? <laughs> because with the way that the print screen and the Versacam and all that stuff is done, your man was saying that he's had people take them away, bang them in the wash, put them on at 100 and literally melt off the print. Okay, so it's printed on. So just make sure, I think it's washed at 40. So just wash it at 40 and this t-shirt will last you. You'll be wearing this t-shirt when we all head over to Lambo with our grandkids. That's how long this t-shirt will last. So don't put it on too much of a heat setting because you'll just boil the stuff off it and then you'll be cribbing about the fact that, oh, they don't last very long. Yes, they do. Just make sure that you follow the instructions. A little bit of boring instruction. But Ryan, another exciting development that we have here is the 1919 Club. Uh, Do you want to unleash how close we're getting to this? Well, I think we are finally there. We could potentially launch our first draw of the 1919 Club this week. Uh, In actual fact, the page on our website, if you want to check that out, the 1919 Club page is there and ready and waiting to go um essentially i had a letter from customs as, as good old customs always do they've held our parcel up they want us to pay more taxes to get it through um 
we've done that now uh and and they are going to send it out it'll be with us on tuesday i believe which will be after obviously the easter break um there's a number of signed jerseys come in this is a number of signed photos come in um we've decided on our first draw so we should we tell the guys what it is i reckon unleash the beast yeah okay let's do it then so we are going for legendary and i i love this guy because james jones has such a rags to riches story a real genuine one where at some point i'm pretty sure at some point him and his mother were were even homeless at they one were point, homeless yep going from shelter to shelter to you know beg beg steal and borrow from different shelters having to go to food banks to get their dinner you know really went from the very very bottom mm. all the way up to winning it all um i think he said one of his proudest moments was actually buying a home for his mother you know ab- ab- above all else and I think James Jones is just one of those real top guys that you can really root for and really feel good about. Um, you know, really good that we had, we were lucky enough to have him on our team. Um, so we've got a James Jones road jersey uh, signed up. It, it's, it's an absolute beauty. We're also going in there. Now, I'll say this here. Our plan is to put a, a second prize in and a third prize in. Now, we hope that this 1919 club really takes off. We think there's a lot of interest there for it. Um, if we sell out all the tickets, obviously there'll be a second and third prize. We may change if we don't sell all the tickets. We may there might just be a second prize. We'll have to see how we go. Yeah. But our intention here is to put three prizes into this draw um, and then do the same for every draw. Okay. Um, the more and more popular it gets, the more tickets that sell, um, it may evolve it may become a, a membership thing sort of where you, you you almost like sign up and put a monthly amount in you're automatically entered into every draw for as long as you pay the fee each month um could, could be anything we could the, the prizes could get bigger and bigger and bigger yeah okay um so with this first one we're going to do it we think we've got three great names here it's james jones donnie anderson and craig newsom um we think they're great names great items they're going to go out on this draw, and we'll see what the interest is. I think it's going to fill pretty quickly, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's the only way. And like you said, Ryan, so let's be clear here. So the first item is a James Jones road jersey, and this the second and third potential item, they're signed photographs, right? Yeah, so they're 8x10s. Um, yeah. Basically, prints, um, sorry, pictures of them obviously playing, playing the game, uh, great pictures, and then they've been hand-signed by the guys. All these things come with certificates of uh authenticity or coas as you might see them called on, on the internet um and they come from a a really reputable source in wisconsin um that have been doing this thing for for years and years and they have big sign-ins where they have the even i saw one the other day they're having aaron Rodgers come in um so that you know they're they're a big company they're good guys so this is real good genuine stuff and it can start off your your fan cave uh, in your house where you can take over one of your rooms and thoroughly piss off anybody else that lives in your house that isn't quite as nuts about Green Bay as you. But Case they should be, so that's their fault. They should be. And let me, because you, you're big into the merch, Ryan, and you know an awful lot about it. Oh, yeah. can, can you just explain to me and the listeners then, this COA, right? There's certain companies that do this certificate of authenticity. It's not as if I can hand sign an item myself and say, oh, it's got a COA. Can you explain how yeah. you know that item is genuine? Okay, so the whole thing with COAs is that generally what you get is a, it's a, a certificate and they come in various sizes and shapes, okay? And on the certificate will be a, a number. 
and the item should then also have a matching sticker with the same number. Okay, this is this is how most of the ones work that I've seen before. What you can then do is take that number and you can go to their website and you type the number in and then the website will tell you what that item is. Okay, so you can do all of that. Like, So generally when I'm buying something, I'll say, yeah, nice item, looks good. Um, what's the COA uh, serial number on it? You can have a picture of it to see it. And they're always pretty forthcoming. They'll send you the picture of the COAs. You go to the website, type it in. It should then tell you AJ Hawk, Green Bay jersey, so, you know, whatever. And it should should match up. Okay. So basically, we know these guys are good. The COAs are there to just to just double it. What you can do if um, uh, if you say you went to a, a, an event, met a player get some signed. I've got stuff like that. I've got Sam Barrington, uh, Jordy Nelson, Mike Daniels, uh, Amon Green uh, tops that are all signed up and they're ones where I've actually been lucky enough to to meet the players. Mm. Um, obviously, I don't have COAs for those because they were, they were hand-signed at the time. What I could do is I could take them to one of these gut bodies and you could have it assessed for its authenticity and then they can still award you a post-signing COA. So, but they won't just give you one based on a, oh, yeah, I got this signed, mate, so that's all right, sort me out, and then they email you. It don't work like that. It has to be taken away or sent away, and it's actually verified that it's genuine. And all these items all come with that automatically, and you'll be sent the COAs as well as the items, so you'll know you've definitely got a genuine piece of merchandise. Yeah, and what we like about the 1919 club here at the UK Packers is is that some of these items, when you you know you're part of these other groups or you you buy stuff off eBay, you don't know if it's genuine or not. Whereas you can sort of trust that Ryan, honestly, is you know a sign march expert. He's got an absolute treasure trove of stuff, um, in his own man cave, and he's you know you've looked into this kind of stuff and he follows this stuff religiously, so you know that what we are going to get in air competitions is going to be certainly genuine. Um, and then on top of that, we have fans who are genuinely interested in the team. I've seen people on some of these groups that win merch, you know, for players. Like there, there's one person who's actually won an Aaron Rodgers signed helmet and still, uh, and that person is a Bears fan and they keep it in their house and they sort of tantalize it out in front of people like, oh, I think I might do a draw for this and never mm-hmm. do. And, you know, at least now with our group, we're all Packers fans. We all want Packers signed merch. And, you know, if this really kicks off the way myself and Ryan hope it will, well, then we can have a monthly subscription, you know, whatever it is. If it's a fiver a month, I, I'm, i look, we all know I've got a Starbucks gold card here. I get it from spending a stonking amount of money in Starbucks. Uh, it's because of a young child. That's how I live. I like to keep some blood in my caffeine stream. And, you know, a Starbucks coffee for me uh, usually costs about €5.15. So we're giving you the chance to potentially come away with the likes of a Brett Favre signed item a Bart Starr signed item and all you have to spend is five quid a month I spend at least a tenner a day on coffee so you know you're spending yeah. it's a great days. it's a great point and definitely this is a company that we we absolutely know and trust mm. um, and a lot of people have used over the years have been there a number of years like I said Aaron Rodgers one of the biggest names in the game is going there this month to do a signing session um, and we're getting it straight from them we're taking, as I said, with the taxes, the delivery cost and the taxes, it's coming straight to us and we're getting it. Um, we're getting that, we're paying all of that, and then we are going to give them away. I think this first draw we're doing, um, we're doing, there's 50 tickets at £3 a piece. Yep. Okay, and you can buy as many tickets as you want. Um, the only thing I'll ask, guys, is please, when you're doing PayPal, 
Uh, PayPal's fantastic and it really helps us out, does us a great deal of uh, good stuff. But one thing it does do is it does charge you um, taxes. So please, please, please send it to us as a friends and family payment because then uh, basically we don't lose however many percent it is on it. Yeah, um, it's a huge amount. Okay. And uh, sort of let us worry about justifying that one. All right. But yeah, <laughs> do, do it as friends and family, please. And uh, get them going. Yep. Um, I think, like I said, it's coming in Tuesday. We know it's on the way. Uh, go and check the page out. You need to be a member. So if you're not a member, you need to sign up. Um, get signed up. It takes you two seconds. It doesn't cost anything to sign up. And, of course, you'll also get your awesome UK Packers members number. Great stuff. So... I'll tell you what, let's hit the fan of the week and then we'll be back and we'll say goodbye to y'all. Meet the fan. Meet the fan. Meet the fan. Oh, house music. Uh, Rhino, we have a uh, privilege today, don't we? The fan of the week today is, uh, is a pretty important man on the whole UK Packer yeah. legacy. Well, let's face it, it's a big name, isn't it, in UK Packers? He was there at the very first meet-up. Yeah. I think some even refer to him as coach now after all the flag football. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, best tell the guys who it is. On the line, we have Andy Davies. Hey, what's going on, Andy? What's going on, buddy? Yeah, I'm just about to put the phone down, actually. Coach, what's that all about? <laughs> we're, adding, we're adding a bit of age to you, are we? They're going to think yeah. you're some male fella like Vince. It was only meant with respect, okay? We know that you're one of the main players, but let's face it, on game day, you generally you're drawing up the plays and you're, you're getting the guys involved. So in that sense, you are coach. But in every other sense, you're still a player. <laughs> still a player, yes. But, but when I mention I follow the Packers from 83, everyone's going to think, God, that guy's an old dude, isn't he? He's coach. <laughs> I've followed the Packers since 83. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you've been some hard through some hard times, but look at we we sort of follow the same format, Andy. But I have a feeling that we're gonna go off uh, way off tangent on your one because uh, what the listeners don't, what we know, listeners don't know, and we really want to sort of get you to get you to tell us some of these hilarious stories. But we always start off the same way. We know you're Andy Davies. Where are you from, Andy? Um, where are you living? And also, if you can just add in on top of that, because because people might recognise the name. You had an El Folly in professional football, did you not? Yeah, so I'm um, I'm now settled in the northeast of England, um, in mm. sunny Hartlepool. Um, uh, that came via sort of Shrewsbury, which is where I was born and raised up. Um, Shrewsbury Town fan. Um, when I left school, I, I sort of joined Torquay United, who were a football league team then back in the day, um, and did sort of three years as a professional footballer in Torquay before getting transferred to uh, the sunny northeast in Hartlepool. Did a couple of years up in the northeast, um, playing with a manager called Phil Knowles, who um, some of the the experts goers might remember. Um, did a couple more years back down in Torquay, so I sort of did a bit of a flip flop and transferred back down there. Yeah, uh, and then sort of played, sort of fritted out into non-league really. Once I got into the retail business that pays the mortgage, so yeah, so football was a yeah was a something I did from leaving school and uh, keeps you fit. So, uh, Andy, really, with, with that kind of professional footballing background then, some might say that you probably should have taken that field goal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That was probably very true. I was just thinking, though, how could I get to Ryan? I can remember playing for Torquay, and my roommate was playing. We were both subs. We were playing a team called West Ham. You might have heard of them. Um, yeah, in the yeah. FA Cup third round. And I think you'll find my roommate scored the winner with about two minutes left. Um, and we beat you 1-0. Probably one of the high spots of the uh, 
West Ham career following for you, mate, is it? <laughs> was it before your, before your time? Might have been but, a bit uh, before my time. Big thank you to West Ham for that night because we had, um, I don't think I paid for a drink all evening on the on the back of my mate scoring the winner. So, uh, yeah, cheers for that one. It was a good night. Decent. <laughs> Great story. And so I just I just want to ask though, Andy, Rhino, before you jump in, were you bought? So does that mean that someone actually paid for your services and you were you were shipped up? Like, what, what did that feel like? Did, so did you actually get bought in a transfer? So, well, I, I got tapped up with the, the honest truth. So um, Cyril Knowles was my manager in Torquay. Mm. He was the one who sort of signed me up originally. Um, I played first team football at 16 years old. We played um, we played at Wembley in the shape of Van Trophy, as it was called then. We played against West Broms, Coventry's, Man U's, Friendly's. So all sorts of, you know, it was uh, good times. Um, he got relieved of his duties. I think he was described at the end of the day. But he moved up to Hartlepool to sort of... Um, save them from relegation at the end of my sort of tenure at Torquay my contract had come to an end yeah. there was four guys who, who got offered contracts they all got offered two years I only got offered one year um, I sort of spat my spat my dummy out and stamped <laughs> my feet as I tend, tend to do sometimes and then at that point I got a phone call from um, Cyril Knowles and he said look I'm in Hartlepool how do you fancy coming up I'll give you a two year deal um, you know come see me I was like yeah I'm on the next sort of train up yeah. and that was it I just went and uh, my old man took me up there and I was like, geez, Louise, it's not quite as scenic as the English Riviera, is it, Dad? <laughs> so, um, it, was a, <laughs> it was a bit different going to the sort of um, Irons of side up to Hartlepool, but do you know what? It, it's all worked out and uh, it was a great man to work for and, you know, we had a good time up there as well. We got promotion and um, some successful times up there as well. So, you know, it, it worked out for the best, I suppose. Oh, that's good, that's good. But I have to say, I've heard Tottenham mentioned far too many times, so I think we need to get back to real football. And uh, so tell us a bit, Andy, about why you became a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, so I came uh, became a Packers fan way back in 83, so I wasn't one of these glory hunters, that's for sure. So um, mm. we did have a bit of a renaissance that year, I think. It was a playoff year, we sort of... Um, so he blitzed Arizona, so it was the days of Lynn Dickey and James Lofton and yeah. John yeah. Jefferson. Um, it was a, a pretty, um, we didn't really have a running game, so, so to speak. I think Eddie Lee Irie was the running back, but we didn't really have a running game, so to speak. And um, after that, I went through some dark, dark years, but it was, um, I was doing a paper round. That's what it was. I was doing a paper <laughs> round and the, um, the first Gridiron magazine came out, if you remember that. So way back in the day the first gridiron and I opened the paper up and um, Green Bay had played Pittsburgh Steelers it was 25-21 Pittsburgh at Lambeau it was a snowy December day but I, for some reason I remember seeing that James Lofton scored two 70 plus yard touchdowns and I thought oh that looks good Yeah, that was it I like the colours green and yellow and that was it from, from that day onwards Excellent. it was sort of uh, Packers all the way yeah so S- one thing I noticed, particularly when we were doing the history podcast, uh, Steve, was that back in those times where everybody refers to as those dark days, there were still some absolute superstars on those teams and some people that had they just maybe rocked up at a different time. Oh, yeah. You know, or, or whatever, could have really achieved some huge things. But it's always a shame. And like, like you said there, obviously, uh, James Lofton uh, and Lynn Dickey were two players that actually were pretty decent on just a pretty bad team. Yeah, and you're a Lynn Dickey believer, aren't you, Andy? Like, I mean, you really, you sort of stand by that guy saying he was super underrated back in those days. Yeah, he moved a bit like Ryan in the pocket, though, to be fair. He didn't have a whole lot of speed. But, but, he, but he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. That's what you mean. 
no, it was uh, he had a he had a cannon for an arm, didn't he? And he could uh, he could play he could play ball in the snow, which was obviously a huge advantage playing in Wisconsin. But um, it, it got a lot worse after that, didn't it? I think that was the uh, it got a lot worse in the Randy Wright days and all that sort of stuff. We used to cling mm-hmm. on every victory because they were that you know they were that um, sparse. That's so we say it was um, yeah it was a really really bad time to be a Packers fan. I mean, when back in the day, Andy, when you had to follow the scores, was it the same sort of format? Did you actually literally have to read the games instead of watching them? So I, I, I in my garage, I have about oh, 500 copies of Packer Report. So that got airmailed to me every single week. So copy after copy of yearbooks, things like that. AFN radio then. So if anyone, 873 medium wave, you tuned in. Yeah. You could probably get a signal after about eight o'clock on a Sunday evening. Before that, you were really struggling. Um, you probably get the Thanksgiving Day games on a night, Westwood One, and all that sort of stuff. But but apart from that, it was pretty tricky. So you were relying on sort of teletext the next morning and all that sort of stuff. So that's how far back you sort of go, isn't it? And then you had to wait for Channel Four on a Sunday and, and Nick Luck was it to do his business and yeah. backed up by the Eurythmics doing the soundtrack. But that was <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> bit of Annie Lennox action. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, yeah. I won't sing it for you because the dulcet tones are fading. But yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know. I was quite impressed that we both knew who the Eurythmics were, but yeah, definitely your pre-internet days are now starting to show your age, Andy. Um, yeah. Look, tell us then, have you ever been out to Lambeau um, or, or seen the Packers on the road or anything like that? Yeah, so I've made two trips um, um, and both times, 96 and 2010. So for the Statos amongst you, you'll know that both of those occasions we won the Super Bowl. Get me out there. Anyone wants to fly me out there, I am the lucky charm. So I flew out to um, Green Bay in 96. <clears throat> I watched the um, the Lions game. So it was a, a late season game. It was about minus 18 when I went out there. It was December game. Jesus. After um, rank was one of the best weekends of my life. It was absolutely superb. Um, I think about the players that I met when I was out there. Yeah. Uh, William Henderson, I met him at the nice. airport. Uh, Desmond Howard, nice. um, cool. to Reggie White, Brett Favre, um, Dorsey Levins, um, who else was out there? Terry Mickens, guy as wide receiver, was there. Uh, uh, Craig Newsom, who uh, was a nice. uh, uh, DB. Yeah, so, uh, you know, an absolutely awesome experience and a, an unbelievable team with a defence that was just star-studded, really. It was just, yeah. you know, phenomenal. Um, do you think, everything do you about think in your opinion... Brilliant. Sorry, in your opinion, have we had a defence as good as that 96 defence since then? Rodgers would have won as many as, as um, Brady. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. With, with they, that they defense. Carried, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yep. yeah. Because yep. they had the ability to turn the ball over. So if you think about the likes of Leroy Butler, uh, Craig Newsom, Doug Evans, all those sorts of guys, they regularly picked the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they created turnovers like so Wayne Simmons and Santana Dotson with strip sacks and Sean Jones and Reggie White and you know, all those sorts of guys. It was just a phenomenal defense, you know, in its own right. It was just a shame it was only together for sort of two, you know, maybe it's one and a half years. But yeah. if A Rod had had that defense, I, I think he'd be looking at sort of, uh, he'd be looking for spare ring fingers put it that way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, do you know what? You mentioned him there, Santana Dotson. Whenever you see a, play, uh, a photo of that player, uh, he, he looks huge, doesn't he? And it, I think it's always as well. He looks mean. He's got the big, is it like the big neck roll on the huge pads, the, the dark visor. He always, he just well, looks He was like... quick though. He was quick. If you think about when he played for Tampa Bay, he was, he was a yeah. pain in the ass. He was, he was a handful. 
Um, but him and Gilbert Brown together complemented each other, didn't they? So Gilbert Brown plugged the hole and Santana Dotson could just sort of slash and, and get to the QB. Um, but he was a he was a real handful. And you think about you've got ends of Sean Jones, six foot seven and six foot six, mm-hmm. whatever he was. And then Reggie White on the other end, you were, you know, serious, serious yeah. pressure. And you've got Keith McKenzie sitting on the bench waiting to come in on third down. It was like crazily, crazily scary. Yeah. yeah. But I tell you what, when we had Gilbert Brown on the podcast, that's one thing that he said. And he was like, oh, I'm not being big headed. But he said when they all used to come away from the huddle and those big lads would walk up to the line, he said he could see the offense shit themselves. He said that, you know, they he, they were just so unbelievably big and intimidating. It was unbelievable. Like, Jesus, scary dudes. I don't think they make them yeah. like that anymore. No, no. Yeah, so, I think it was, was it Larry McCarran says, he says they passed the eye test. Yeah, certainly looked the part. So you went in '96. We won a Super Bowl. You went in 2010. Yep. We won another Super Bowl. Tell so us about that one. New, yeah, I went to New York. So it was just before Halloween. So we played the Jets in a all singing, all dancing classic nine nil. Um, <laughs> so I think it was. Uh, yeah. I think I remember that, that was game. the day. Yeah. Oh, it was a snorer. It was an absolute snorer. The highlight of the day was the fact that I was set up in the third tier. With a with a mixed bunch of Packers and Jets fans, but the Jets fans are quite a, a rowdy bunch, aren't they? And I yeah. managed to get most of the Green Bay guys singing UK style soccer chants. So, <laughs> you know, you know, you know those sorts of things. But by the end of it, I had it really rolling. My um, my other half wasn't none too impressed, but it was really good fun, and we were really winding them up, singing rotten. So every time Woodson picked a ball off, it was. Yeah, we had some. I, I can't repeat them now because you probably get you probably switch the off the uh, <laughs> the connection. But it, it was it was really good fun. Yeah, it was really good. Clay Matthews, I think, pulled a couple of sacks down, and Woodson got a couple of picks. Um, James Jones dropped about three balls that were right through his hands. Yeah, that's and, pretty standard. Um, Jones back in the yeah, day. Yeah, but it was pretty standard. Yeah, but uh, yeah, nine now. It was a good day. A good day out. Really good day out. Yeah. But come here yeah. to me, Andy. You're after mentioning there uh, the other half getting annoyed. That's not you know. Us men have a way of really pissing off our other halves, but you had a pretty unique way of doing it when your kids were born. Can you let us in on a bit of the secrets, a bit of the story here about how your kids got their names and how far you were willing to go to name your kids certain things? Yeah. So I've got two boys and a young girl. So my first boy, is um, so he's now sort of, he's just turned 19. Mm. So he was, um, his name is Sam, Sam Brett. So um, after after breakfast, yeah. So he's really really proud, you know. And you you guys have met him. He comes down and joins in with a flag football when he's not. Um, yeah, he, I found it was it was hard to on. it was hard to believe he was your son because he was so fast at running, which is obviously in stark comparison to yourself. <laughs> it's not a family trait. It might have been back in the day, you know. We know yeah. you're a professional footballer. We don't want to do you a disservice, Andy. Yeah, well, the thing is, you know, when we found these muddy pitches, you always need to gear down to. So I never use this gear. <laughs> That's not what it is. I'm, I'm just using third gear. Yeah, oh, yeah. So if you're on a 3G you know, you know, pitch, um, you'll obviously see me start to stretch out a lot more. But, you know, <laughs> coaches always tell you, keep your feet underneath you when you're running right. the routes. And then, obviously, right. you know, that, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah that's my excuse. Line. You should know this stuff. Yeah, no, yeah I, you should know this stuff, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan should know. And I tell you, that's my approach to catching the ball as well. Sometimes I just deliberately drop them because I just yeah. don't want to, you know, you just want to invite me back if I actually show my true talent. But no, no doubt your son is an absolute beast. He's an animal. He can pull down all the passes. He's ridiculously quick. He's built like a brick shit house. So that's your that's son number one. So what about your other kids? Did you get away with uh, throwing in a few Packer names there too? 
So, so the son number two was around sort of. Um, so, Finley was born in 2011. So, you know, my favourite player at the time was uh, Jermichael Finley. So mm. it's uh, hence Finley, and um, yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, he's a bit like Finley. He's very uh, controversial and uh, he has a lot to say for himself. So I think he's living up to his namesake. Right. And uh, yeah, w- w- without doubt, yeah. I expect him to see have his own Twitter account in about four years' time with about two million followers. Yeah. And, um... It's a good thing as well, Andy, you didn't try to get your Michael through the, uh, through the gates. I think she would have probably caught on. Had you went, Jermichael? I'm no. I'm going. I'm about to have my second no, right, and I don't think I'm going to get ha ha through the gates. I'm going to try, but uh, I don't think no, I'm going to be successful with that one. Not a chance. No. Well, but it brings us nicely to the third, doesn't it? So I searched for hours and hours for for a female Packers connection <laughs> right. that would that I could get past that could get past going get the get the nod on. Yeah. And the nearest I could get was was Madison for the for the second name. Decent. Uh, obviously, yeah. but obviously. Wisconsin connotations, but uh, it's not wasn't for the want of trying. <laughs> and the ones I did find that were quite close, yeah. the likes of JC for JC Tresser, because I was it. I'm pretty glad we didn't we didn't we didn't plump for because he's he's done a one. So um, yeah. I was a bit disappointed with that. But yeah, so so Madison is is the second name. And, and if anyone knows Shrewsbury Town, and I'm sure there's thousands of followers of Shrewsbury Town out there that oh, yeah. we play in blue and amber, so there is a bit of a link there as well. So I've, I've snuck that one in as well. Ah, that's pure decent because I know when we were having uh, the first one I was going through the Packers roster that was pretty much you know when people like top top 100 baby names in the US no mine was just uh, Packers.com yeah. click on roster cool so yeah. I was going down Aaron she yeah. liked uh, Clay yeah. I loved but she was just having none of it um, but yeah I was trying to get really? some more creative stuff yeah I was going to go Randall but then it's Randy and uh, I'm already fertile enough <laughs> as it is I don't need a name Randy in the family to be honest with you um, he'd never live it down to be fair well, this is where you start looking at the draft in a different fashion, doesn't it? You, because you start looking at names and thinking, now there, if we drafted him, or, you know, we're, yeah, right. we're, we're going to be sorted. This is my son, Lamp. Uh, i just like to introduce my son, yeah. Lamp. I still think the best name in football, and uh, I'm pretty sure he was at the Packers for a little while, was TJ Slaughter. If you can work Slaughter into that name, <laughs> as a middle name, that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that ain't happening in any shape or form because there's no more on the web. Absolutely not. <laughs> Fair play. If we can yeah. find the one saying, tie your tubes, that'll be the one we take that next. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so we mentioned at the start, obviously, you turned up to the very first Packers meet, and I think you've pretty much been at every single meet we've done. Um, so tell us a bit about what you think, obviously, the UK Packers and, and you know, what I guess, if you like, what it's done for you as a fan. I think more, it goes outside being a fan, doesn't it? I think they're just a great bunch of guys, all with a common interest, isn't it? It's when you live in a bit of an outpost like the northeast of England, there's, you know, I know from the UK Packers now that there's, you know, there is some guys up here that um, have as much interest as what I do. But certainly, you know, I think you think that you're on your own, isn't it? You're watching it, and everyone just thinks you're mad. All my work, my, you know, all my work colleagues just think I'm nuts. Yeah, they all sort of temporary block me on Twitter for Sunday evening because they know what they're <laughs> going to get they just know that you know they, and they, they know to avoid me on a Monday morning if we've lost absolutely just keep well away from me <laughs> but I think that um, I think it was Sheffield wasn't it the first meetup we had wasn't it so we went and yeah, played that's right yeah New, or- yeah New Orleans in the flag game there wasn't it we were absolutely 101 um, was it 101.6 was it yeah, yeah nice. I think it was something along those lines and they did I think we got six for turning up didn't they so I think we started on six so. <laughs> yeah and then if I remember was it was it 
Neil Reynolds or somebody in, in the Sky Sports studio told us we should have taken a knee at some point. Yeah, he was a barber. <laughs> <That's> pretty... <laughs> Just wrote yeah, out a clean name, yeah, name drop yeah. there. So I sent off a message to a good old Neil and he read it out. Yeah, that's when we took advantage of Steve's celebrity connections. <laughs> Yeah, I was just um, I was just looking at some pictures actually. I've still got some photos on my um, on my cloud there from um, from Sheffield and some uh, yeah some good pictures and good guys yeah some great guys. And obviously, as we've gone through the gone through the years and we've developed it to you know we we're now in London and we've done all that sort of stuff. It's um, it's amazing how much it's grown and yeah. yeah how the people who were there at day one have also you know remained true to it and, and enjoy it as much yeah. as the next person. I see. I think that yeah, first meetup. I think. We had eight people, if I was it seven or eight people we had, mm. um, and like yeah, you said, all of those absolutely. guys still involved coming to the meetups for, uh, regularly, and obviously, I think our last one, the Super Bowl party, was nearer what sixty odd people yeah, for a, for a game that we weren't even in. Mm. Yeah, I think what's great is as well is that I think the the shame of it is we've been so close on a couple of occasions, haven't we? So you almost d- dare to dream. So we, I think when you think about Seattle, I think that's probably three months to get over that game for, for obvious reasons yeah. how we blew that it'll be a, a mystery forever but can you imagine what that weekend would have been like you know with you guys and all the other guys with the Packers game actually on the TV in front of you that would have been you know off the charts and it's been well documented that we get some special rates when we come down to London some, some of our friends work in nice hotels down there so we we always make a weekend of it and um, if we could just add the Packers game into the mix it would be It'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it, come February? Yeah, sure would. Yeah, it'd be pretty potent. Uh, that and as well as that, the amount of fans that'll be there that are Packer fans that probably have never heard of the UK Packers, so they'd be there probably celebrating, come across us, and that would be an absolute barney. Yeah. But listen, Andy, I mean, you know your stuff. You're incredibly knowledgeable. People might recognise your name from the actual website because every single year, Andy Davies does this just it's almost it's like one thought just leads into the next and this article just flows it's easy to read it's brilliant to read uh you've been pretty spot on on some of your picks so this draft special article that you have on our website every year is just an absolute can't do without but to go one better uh andy's going to be coming on next week on our next podcast and he's going to steer us through uh, all the draft picks that we could eventually fall our way some of the draft picks that he really wishes that we would take and this is from a man who knows the Packers inside out his kids are named after Packers players he's been a fan since 1983 he had to read the games instead of watching them and he's uh, insufferable when they lose so that that's the truth you know uh, thing of a of a really diehard fan but Andy we'll have to leave it there till next week uh, delighted that we're going to have you on again but before we let you go can you let the people out there what your UK Packers membership number is yeah i just tell you I'm a privileged number 12 oh yes very privileged number 12 he's under centre here for the UK Packers Andy it was absolutely fantastic to have you on buddy yeah great to speak to you guys yeah look forward to next week nice one Andy now there's a man ledge we will have Andy Davies back on again next week so next week is going to be our draft special we have had a lot of fun on the podcast I know people are saying oh the podcast is great especially since you don't have anything to talk about so appreciate those comments um, should it should it be I, I don't know why we forgot to talk about this should we should we announce at this point we, we have a podcast logo coming out a new podcast logo so it, it is nice do not adjust your screens people if you suddenly see a new podcast logo it's still us yeah um, well you'll be able to tell it's us and you'll, you'll see what we mean but you'll be able to tell it's us it's super official it's nice right now I it's love it as well it's uh, it's pretty sexy you know yeah it's very nice 
But uh, yeah, watch out for that. We'll call it a day. Next week is going to be our, our draft podcast. And then after that, our podcasts are really going to start gearing up. So again, if you want to pass the time, uh, you can listen to our podcast. We know Kirk Kozad has been working back through the back catalogue because I've been getting a tweet almost every hour into what names yeah. I've been pronouncing wrong. Kurt, appreciate it, ish. <laughs> I love I love nothing more than when somebody pulls Steve up and tells him he's done something wrong. So keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got pulled up for the Martinez. I got pulled up for pronouncing Brett Good. Apparently, Jason Wilday. His name is Jason Wilday and not Jason Wilde. I refuse to believe it. Oscar Wilde yeah. didn't call himself Oscar and, Wilde. And you got and you got Russell DeCartier's name is wrong as well, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that from the horse's mouth himself, Russell said. Do you know what? you know what anyway let's call it there we're gonna have a barney here in the studio <laughs> so from myself at steady the nfl on twitter from your buddy me old pal ron j peacock it's goodbye for this week see you later